So Shane, it's great to see you today. Good morning, it's been, Luke. It's been a while. Yeah, way too long. Way too long. Um, you came to Kelowna June first, two thousand and nine. What's the story behind that? It seems like eons ago. Uh, like at many points in my life, uh, every belonging that I had was stuffed into a car mm-hmm. along with our two pets at the time. Uh, you know, uh, Rufus and Beaker. So Rufus the dog, Beaker the cat. Mm-hmm. And uh, our family had decided to move from Edmonton to Kelowna as the start of a big new adventure in life. Mm-hmm. So Christine, my partner, had moved down about four weeks before me right. to start her job at UBC Okanagan. And so I was kind of cleaning up the last bits of the house and bring it down, including the pets, of course, as I mentioned. Uh, so it was a 10-hour straight-through drive, started at 6 a.m. from Edmonton mm-hmm. and ended up in Kelowna on a bright, beautiful, golden, sunny evening uh, around 5 o'clock mm. that night. So it just it was very romantic coming into the valley and yeah. just seeing this glow cast over everything and driving into North Glenmore off of the highway and it was just like this is the first time I'd seen Kelowna in the summer. Wow. The only time I've been in Kelowna previously was in the winter. We went to Big White for a weekend on the hill. Right. And I loved that, but to see it in this new light was pretty breathtaking. That's nice. So what prompted the decision? To, to come to this city. We were just sick of Edmonton. I mean, it's there's a lot of great things going on there, but we were sick of the cold and the long commutes yeah. and the rat race. And we just wanted to start fresh uh, and, and live completely through our values. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at a couple of different prospects, but I think when really when it came down to it, uh, in terms of all that a city would have to offer, Kelowna was the easy choice. Mm-hmm. And so we planned over a very short period of time, like literally over six months, we'd come to the decision, put our house up for sale, and put the plans into place. So Christine mm-hmm. had found her job. I started a company. I'm like, right. <laughs> uh, barely started a company. And we just set the dates into place. Any regrets? Zero regrets. It's been phenomenal ever since. Yeah. You know, like any new movement and change in life, there are some challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. But we've just been so enthusiastic and forward-thinking since moving here. And all kinds of new, wonderful possibilities have come in, you know, the uh, the nine years so uh, it feels great that we made that decision and there's just been unanticipated delight uh, mm-hmm. every corner along the way. Right. So you started a company in 2009 in Kelowna. Which company? Was no, that? it actually started in Edmonton. Oh, okay. I thought, okay, well, we're moving to Kelowna. I better get on this and get something started. So I moved from, you know, what you'd say is like a freelance practice, mm-hmm. uh, working in tech to starting a legitimate company. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of found a business coach at the time and I joined a couple of groups just to like get my feet wet and kind of understanding what shape the business was going to take. Mm-hmm. So it was a digital marketing kind of design company. Those are in abundance uh, and worked 
ultimately with some of the previous clientele that I had and plus a few new ones that I picked up in Edmonton, but it was so green, so brand mm-hmm. new when I moved here. So really it became a Kelowna company very quickly. So until then you had always worked for other people for the most part. 90%. Yeah. Never happy with it to be totally honest. Right. I, I was an entrepreneur at heart, uh-huh. but I didn't realize it. Is that why you are so passionate about helping startups and new businesses because of the kind of struggle, the uncertainty that you faced starting your own business? Is that part of the reason? I'd say that's definitely one of the motivators. I think from some of the struggles, some of the pain that I was feeling Mm. and seeing it others and wanting to learn something uh, and address that pain in myself, but also helping them through some of that uncertainty and challenge. Yeah. And that was really the beginning of it. I think especially attempting freelancing a few times, which is kind of a very small business Mm -hmm. uh, and starting this new business. I was like, okay, well, by helping others, I'm actually helping myself too. That's right. Because you learn, right? As you teach others, you learn so much. I think that's the way I learned the fastest. If I don't know something, then I'm going to learn enough and then I'm going to try to apply it with someone else so to really cement it and kind of, you know, see it in action. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Colab. When did it start and what's the idea behind it? Uh, Wow. It truly began as a passion project that uh, it was pretty innocent, this idea of bringing together a collective of professionals and kind of entrepreneurial people Mm -hmm. that before collab we had community groups where we would get together and we do presentations and people would make connections and get support and so on Mm -hmm. and that was wonderful so over a period of that first year that I lived here that kind of grew up we became this community thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and then at some point we're like wow wouldn't it be cool if we just worked around each other all the time Mm -hmm. and that question just provoked all kinds of creative thinking. So we had a little shared office at the time. And then we looked at the prospect of it becoming a very tangible thing in what we called a co-working space. Mm -hmm. And in 2009, co-working was still a relatively new thing. Mm -hmm. And in 2011, when we actually started CoLab, there might have been, you know, a couple thousand co-working spaces around the world. Mm -hmm. So... We felt really excited that we were part of this whole new movement in the world of work. We felt excited about being able to work together as a small collective. Uh, But again, the innocence of it, like being more driven through the desire to work together Mm -hmm. and be supporting each other than it being a business of like, wow, we're going to grow this big co-working space. We're going to have offices. And it's like there are co-working spaces that start that way where it's really the focus of the space. Right. We started with the focus of a community. Nice. And I think it's carried that community focus over seven years. Yeah. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the challenges that tech people face is kind of social isolation because you're so into your project and your face is stuck into a computer screen for many hours a day. Mm -hmm. You don't really see other humans. Um, And this is a great way to kind of solve that problem. Is that? Yeah, I think there are lots of types of isolation that happen out there in the tech and entrepreneurial world. 
the one that you mentioned is definitely a very strong one with remote workers or mm. uh, freelancers or uh, solo workers, consultants and whatnot. They tend to go out on their own, you know, ready to start this big adventure as a business owner. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that they cripple themselves by sitting in a basement or an attic or a rented office, which is just a box ultimately away from their home. Mm-hmm. And don't realize that the thing that really always drove them was other individuals feeding off the creative energy. Yeah, uh, I think the other type of isolation that occurs often is with startup founders who are visionary and strong, maybe a little egotistical at times, mm-hmm. and don't realize how much opportunity is within their network and within collaboration, both within their team and in their community, and will still isolate themselves and their team in a basement or forcing their team to work remotely or leasing an office. Mm-hmm. And they miss that opportunity within the relationships and connections and potential collaborations that are out there. Sure. And so Colab solves problems on the individual level, but also on the team level in terms of what can happen as people silo themselves in. Mm-hmm. You told me this morning that the culture of Colab is more important than the space. Although the space is beautiful. Uh, it's been, I think, over a year since I was here last visiting yeah. you. And uh, I love what you're doing with all the little graphics and the <laughs> photos of the team. And it's beautiful. But tell us what you mean when you say the culture is more important than the space. Uh, I think on a deeper human level, we crave to belong. We, we love to be in environments where people are moving us and challenging and inspiring us. And that's where the culture ultimately yields the result of possibilities within a space. But it's not dependent on a physical space. It can be sort of a a temporal space, Mm -hmm. you know, through an event or through an engagement of some kind. So the culture always has to come first because we have to build trust between people. We have to give them a reason to be able to make those connections. We have to give them a, a space, I guess, uh, not always a play space, but a time play space where they can do things actively together. Mm-hmm. So we design for those types of spaces very, very often. Right. And I think the benefit of being in a physical space is that we have the, the feeling of the environment and the functional supports within the environment. But that came much, much later. Uh, as you maybe are aware, we stayed really small for a long, long mm-hmm. time. We started with six members in a very small space and then grow to maybe 20 or 30 over the first three or four years. And only last year, after six years, did we expand wow. when the time was right. And you were fortunate because you were able to expand within the same facility. Spaces came up, other tenants moving out, and so on. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, the timing is right, and we started planning and discussion probably a year in advance of that and looked at multiple options, mm -hmm. and this made the most sense of all of the options, and clearly it was the right decision because we've very gracefully grown into this space, and it it feels like home. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, this space to me is kind of a metaphor for downtown Kelowna because... Across the street, there used to be an empty, dusty parking lot. Um, the new tech center is a block and a half yeah. away. Uh, FSH, my favorite pub in town. So all these things have kind of grown up around you at the same time you've grown. Um, you 
serve on the uh, Downtown Kelowna Association. I was a member for a brief time, 2014. Tell us about some of the changes you've seen um, in the last few years with the association in downtown. I I like that you made sort of the the suggestion of the alignment between the way Colab has grown over the years and the way uh, downtown Kelowna has developed. Uh, I'd say, at least as far as my perspective with the DKA goes, I'm still kind of the new guy Mm. and not aware of all of the deeper uh, strategies and sort of goals and outcomes that are aligned with DKA. There's a tremendous team that supports them, Mm -hmm. and we have an amazing uh, board, a diverse board, a very, you know, uh, knowledgeable board that makes the magic happen. But what I really like about the DKA is their their relationships with the city and the uh, RCMP and all of these social support groups, like they help bring all those things together and create collaborations and understanding between those groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like that's probably the closest sort of parallel between the two is that magically, you know, through, well, not just magically, through a lot of work and effort and understanding and communication, they're able to create huge impact on the downtown core, not only on business, but Mm -hmm. on the social or maybe even the spiritual aspects of the way the downtown comes together. Arts, culture, music, business, DKA is at the center of that. And -hmm. that's pretty incredible that they're able to do that uh, as a small nonprofit. Right. So the people sharing the space with you, do you call them tenants or collaborators or... They're my Mem- community. Members. Community. Member, where the, the business of Colab is through membership. Right. But they are always community first. Okay. And how many people roughly would you say? Uh, right now? Roughly 115, 120. Wow. It fluctuates here and there. Uh, we're definitely on a growth curve right now. Yeah, clearly. We've grown. We've doubled in the last year easily. Wow. Um, Not everybody is here full time. No, well, our membership model means that people can use the space in a very sort of plug-and-play manner. Mm-hmm. So I'd say 50%, 60% of our members are here full-time-ish, yeah. and the other 40%, 50% are going to be casually using the space right from one or two days a month to, you know, yeah, maybe a four or five days per week. Right. Yeah. And not everybody collaborates with everybody else, right? There's no forced collaboration. There's no forced. If it's forced, it's not collaboration, <laughs> right? No, we we build relationships where people are aware of and trusting, and uh, you know, deeply considering yeah. others around them. So that sort of giving type of attitude, but collaboration comes very naturally mm-hmm. and at different levels. Sometimes collaboration can be. Uh, words of support and kindness ranging right to we're going to joint venture uh, or co-found something together. How do you walk us us through a typical scenario? So someone joins as a member, they go through an application process, Mm -hmm. and they're making a coffee at the coffee station, start up a conversation. Like, how does collaboration happen organically? There's so many different there's types of scenarios, but right. and I, it's hard for me to say there would be a typical scenario, but I'd say most often uh, 
because we have a quite a robust onboarding process mm. that every member gets quite a lot of attention in terms of understanding the, the makeup of the community and how our space works. And we will introduce them to other potential collaborators. We'll be thinking a little bit about the industry and their background and their skill set and their needs. And we'll additionally uh, encourage them to attend community events and mm-hmm. also make it, you know, uh, uh, introductions during events. The first three months that people are here, it's like a, a lightweight boot camp of sorts. Right. That we're always trying to create engagement, that we're always mindful of who they are and where they're going uh, so that they'll get the best experience possible here. Right. Uh, like a coach or a trainer, it's like we don't just, you know, open the door and just push them in. It's right. Like we are trying to be very thoughtful about making them feel included and welcome here. Yeah. So you've got educational events, you've got social events. Do you still do the uh, craft beers? Yeah. Crafternoon still runs every three weeks. On uh, Friday. Every three weeks on Every Friday. third Friday. Yeah. Uh, like Crafternoons, we have loads of social events that are either regularly occurring or, you know, done through different types of partnerships within the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and additionally, a whole range of educational events, right from, you know, more roundtable discussion to skills building workshops. Uh, on In any typical month, you're going to see 15 to 20 events on our calendar. Mm-hmm. And if you just go and take a sampling of September, for instance, we like had two agile project management workshops this week. We had Chuck Cafe, which is an informal round table for entrepreneurs. We had DevKL, which is sort of a discussion group for skills building with developers in the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, We really think quite a lot about different pains and problems of people within our community, and we tend to build events around them. Right. And it's all technology-based, right? Heck no. No. No, not at all. Tell us about something you're not on technology members. Luke Mankus is a realtor with Remax Kelowna. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke make us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate. Like I said, we're pretty diverse, yeah. so <laughs> we've 
got an interior design company, so Evolve Design Unique. Build here. Yeah. We've got an engineering firm that's actually headquartered in Montreal, and wow. one of their folks works out here. Uh, we've got uh, landscape design Regan. architecture, Regan, Sarah to, Dickey, also I used from to share the office space room. with Regan. And, right, uh, so it's like, that's that, just, you just pick yeah. from across the map. But again, like really intensive technology companies like product builders and digital marketing companies it's the thing that i really love about the space is the diversity mm-hmm. and the the serendipitous unexpected innovative things that can happen when those people come together yeah that's truly social innovation when you can create unexpected unanticipated outcomes mm-hmm. from sheerly just bringing the right people together in the room in 2009 when you decided to start a business mm-hmm. and you also decided to move to Kelowna did you have this vision for this collab with over a hundred members and all this beautiful space did you have that vision at that time or is that something that evolved over the last nine years again I speak to unanticipated delight I had no ambitions of starting a co-working space I think the thing that drove me at that time is this deep need to be a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And so from day one, I went out and I sought out people who would be great collaborators and a community that was welcoming. And, you know, by golly, I found one within right. probably a week. Uh, and I was on Twitter. I just was looking for local tech people and three or four people popped up right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would be the co-founders of a local tech meetup called OKDG, and the co-founder or eventual co-founder of Colab, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Within a week, that's that's how amazing, when you just put it out there, uh, how quickly that good things can come back to you. Yeah. So I think it was Buddha who said, uh, if you have a problem, be the solution. I'm not sure. I might be misquoting, but, yeah, yeah, definitely. but uh, it seems to me that you, you had a craving for community and now you're this amazing facilitator of that for over a hundred people. What is it inside you that kind of created that craving to create a community? Is there something that you could share with us from I think this, it's funny. I think what you see in people who tend to be moved to become leaders within communities. Uh-huh. It's usually like a pain that drives them <laughs> right? there. Like pain and sorrow and grief and hardship they've gone through. And for me in particular, I grew up without a community. Uh, my family moved a lot. And you could say that we're a transient. We moved across the country numerous times growing up. So I never felt settled. I never never felt like I had a hometown mm-hmm. And, and community to me wasn't a word that I identified with right up until my 20s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that craving to feel like I belonged somewhere and that people were thinking of me and supporting me mm-hmm. was very present in my move to Kelowna. Uh, I came from Edmonton previously, as I said, and there wasn't a tech community there at that time. 
there was an amazing music and arts community that I was a part of. I right. actually spent quite a, a lot of time in my life in the music community. Uh-huh. And so it was that feeling of like, oh, this is how it feels to belong to a community moving and sort of dropping into Kelowna, wanting to recreate that here for myself, but through business and technology. Mm-hmm. And magically, serendipitously, it happened. Yeah. Well, I think it's a wonderful story how you've got this need within yourself and now you're able to facilitate and provide that for so many people. It's really wonderful. I don't think it's rational, though. It's like (laughs) for me to say, yeah, here's my my six-month strategic plan for building a community in Kelowna. (laughs) It just was not like that at all. I went out to those first meetings had a ton of get-togethers, coffees, and beers, and just opened myself up to people and helped, mm-hmm. and that, that's how it happened. And yeah. That was, that, was, that was the first experience I had with knowing that I belonged to a community here mm-hmm. by, was by helping create it together. Yeah. I think for younger people who are kind of struggling with what to do when they get older and what kind of career path Mm -hmm. to follow. I think you're you're a good example. Um, What really bugs you about the world or your world or the community? What do you see a need for within yourself? Because I think that drives us. That gives us the passion Mm -hmm. to get up in the morning, you know, make sure the space is ready and make sure we've got great people and make sure that they're onboarded correctly and I mean, you're facilitating so many great things. Yeah. Which seems to me, I see the connection between your uh, craving. I appreciate that. I don't, right? I don't know if I, I see the connection sometimes. I just get lost in all of the chaos and activity. But I think that, you know, going back to your question around what's the pain or the problem that's occurring out there, I think it's the way I see it is not on a vast scale. Mm -hmm. I think it actually is very personal that very smart and creative people often are the most critical of themselves. They're, they're constantly judging and comparing themselves to others and depreciating their value, which often leads them to react in very irrational ways and very unkind ways where they don't take care of themselves and they don't open up. Right. And it's different for everyone. They all have different reactions to that sort of inner pain mm-hmm. where some people will close up. Some people will become very defensive and, and go on the attack. It's, I think, but it's unhealthy. And I think that they have to realize that there are so many other like-minded people out there with passions and with drive and ambition. And they just need to lo- learn to open up. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to happen you know, in front of the community necessarily. It's like, go and find someone and have coffee with them (laughs) and just truly connect and tell your story and find somebody that you can trust. Uh, And you would be shocked at how many others are feeling in a similar way and also are just looking for somebody to understand them. Yeah. And it's so so personal and so internal and seemingly so simple but people don't open up. They build up barriers around themselves and they often get into positions where they are feeling unhealthy and unwell. Yeah. So it's my desire 
in a very in a simple way just to create a welcoming open community where you can ha- have that first coffee where you can share a lot of that inner you know tension that you're dealing with and hopefully open the door to the you know the unlimited potential of what happens when you're in a welcoming community yes definitely and i've seen it happen many many times yeah a few months ago you launched an animator program what's that about well, uh, it may surprise you, but it has nothing to do with uh, illustration or art or what typically is associated with the word animation. Uh, this is actually inspired by a collective and a space based, based out of Toronto called the Centre for Social Innovation, and they have a set of practices uh, and an approach they use to be able to develop and catalyze growth and connection within their own mm-hmm. community called community animation. So we were inspired by that and thought that it would be great to bring those practices into our community, both internally within how we uh, run our co-working space, but also within the entrepreneurial and creative community in building relationships uh, between other organizations and catalyzing growth and connection uh, between people in our community and making it ultimately a wonderful, great, uh, and inspiring city to work within. Mm-hmm. So the real purpose of an animator is to understand the community, to build more connections between people, and to create vital connections where people are wanting to uh, learn, to be able to motivate, and to be able to potentially collaborate with each other. So it's all it's all based on trust. Mm-hmm. And so we've been running this for about four months within the space, and it's been incredible to see what this team of four animators has done. Mm-hmm. Two of them are students, business students in Okanagan College. One is a business grad from University of British Columbia, and uh, the last is uh, actually a high school grad who is just going into his first year in university. Wonderful. So this unbridled enthusiasm and ambition and clearly a need and intention to be a part of the community mm-hmm. to see what they've done both here within the space between members out there in the community and connecting people and even through a lot of our events and programming. Uh, so it's not just an idea, it's a set of practices. And so the essentials of it ultimately are to be thinking like an enabler and a facilitator right. and to be actively facilitating and connecting within the community. So there has to be a very intensive awareness of others and understanding so that you can go out there and be that forward-thinking connector mm-hmm. and ultimately solve different problems and challenges that are facing uh, our professionals. Right. And it's a lot of stuff that I've been doing for years that have been an animator, but not calling it that. Right. So now we're actually actively running this as a program with people who themselves are looking to get out and be connected in the community. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I think of the word animation, it uh, means to put in motion or to bring something to life. It has roots. That's, I'm sure it's right? like, as you know, roots in like Greek mythology or something. Yeah. It's like there's a deeper root and meaning motion. to the word. Ultimately, it's movement. And it's creative energy. Yeah. And uh, to be able to do that within a community means that you're creating something that was not there before based on what you're seeing there, there and sort of the the unseen hidden potential within the community and the people in the community. Cool. So is there a cost 
or do you want to give us the website? Yeah, so. absolutely. So uh, we do have information in terms of how the program works on the website. But essentially what happens is that uh, each animator can apply to be a part of the program. Mm -hmm. The commitment is that they're going to spend a couple of half-day shifts working in the uh, CoLab co-working space and that they get unrestricted access for six months in our space, including mentorship, uh, the ability for us to support them in a lot of their goals, involvement in a lot of our community events. We really put them at the forefront of what we do. Uh, there's, you know, ultimately, there are some practical things that go along with becoming an animator. We train them and support them in their time here mm -hmm. for the four-month term. But we are very flexible, and we put a lot of thought into their specific goals right. so that ultimately we're able to accelerate their growth, growth during the time here. Uh, we've been calling it something the like of uh, an entrepreneurial residency, almost like an artist would go out yeah. and work within a gallery or an institution to really accelerate their growth as an artist. Well, we thought there'd be a residency for an entrepreneur. Very cool. So is there a application process? Most definitely. Yeah. We want to make sure that there's a fit. Yeah. And so everybody is welcome to apply and then we'll gauge fit uh, through an interview and then once they're accepted, then there would be a process of onboarding and training so that they would be very comfortable in the four months working with us. Cool. So is that um, application or information on the same website? On yes. The collab website? Yeah, it's on the okay. Colab website. Uh, additionally, they can contact us if they have other questions. Uh, we'll run an information session uh, every month or two. But if, you know, again, if they just want, if they're curious and just want to hear about it, then they can email us and then we'll send them the package. Are there some events that you do that are open to the public and some that are members only? I'd say the majority are open to the public. Okay. Yeah, I, it's very rare that we'll actually have a members only event. Okay. So if you go on the calendar, all of those are and going what, to be public facing. Great. And wh where do we find this calendar? All over the place. I mean, certainly social Facebook media. page, yeah. all the social media, our website, in here in our space. We even got in the practice of putting up printed calendars and cafes and whatnot in the downtown area. I like that. So, or ask any one of us, or come down to the space, or yeah, we're very we're very vocal and very outward with promoting a lot of our events. I like the idea of printed calendar. You know, um, as a realtor, I've started to get back to printing a little more because I think we're a little bit burnt out from staring at a screen all the time. And it's, <laughs> it's nice to be able to hold something and touch something. Well, just out here so, in the hallway, we have this massive the, vinyl deco calendar. It's beautiful. That, I mean, it's really <laughs> well, great. All these tech people around who don't pay attention to our social media or our website can just stand in front of that calendar and look at the month in yeah. one place. It's awesome. Yeah. That's great. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if uh, if they want to meet you? I'm pretty easy to find. Okay. Uh, so we'll put your website in the show notes. And, yeah. And so on. <laughs> I think I used to be number one for the keyword search of Shane on Google a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure that's gone now. <laughs> uh, but at this point, yeah, of course, website, social, uh, come down to the space, we're very easy to find, very approachable. Awesome. I'm happy to meet with anybody and just, you know, be their, be their Sherpa or their tour, tour guide in the community. Beautiful. So who would you like to nominate to come on the show in the future? Oh, wow. Let's see. If I was to nominate one, I'd love to nominate Yuri Hess. 
Okay. And he's relatively new in the community, maybe a couple of years. But it's just fascinating the effect he's had in coaching and supporting other creative and entrepreneurial people in our community. And he's got an amazing story. Nice. What, what does your he do? Is he a coach? Or? He's actually retired. Okay. So he worked in the corporate world uh, in learning and development. Uh-huh. And since then, he's a traveler. Right. Uh, and here within our community, he's a mentor and coach. Wonderful. Okay. Shane, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was great just being able to talk to you. Great. <laughs>